This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit lizbruner.com and take your skills to the next level. It's so easy to get lost in the day-to-day that we sometimes lose sight of ourselves and the things that make us truly happy. Well, my guest today believes she has found the secret to change that and create abundance in your life every single day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and my guest today suffered some very serious medical issues that could have killed her, but didn't. She's currently a financial advisor, but she's also had many other chapters as a nurse, an aerobics instructor, entrepreneur, and now first-time author. Judy Bailoff, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for the welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, congratulations on writing your first book. And I speak from personal experience on this, having just published my book, that it is quite the process. How does it feel to get your book out into the world? It's been an amazing journey. It started when Bob Proctor sent me the email agreeing to write the forward in it. If I wasn't as old as I would, I would have done cartwheels. I couldn't jump high enough, the thrill that it was to realize he had read the proof and he thought it was the best day-to-day thing you could do to change your life. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, the book is titled, let's get that out there. It's titled 365 Days of Abundance. How to Create a Life of Wealth, Happiness, Wisdom, and Inspiration Through the 12 Universal Laws, the Principles of Success, and His Divine Word. You describe this book as a daily meditation book. What do you want people to take away each day from this book with each daily affirmation? I think the best thing to do is drink a cup of coffee or orange juice or whatever you have in the morning have the book with you, open it up to the date that we are at, read the Bible verse, the quote, the reflection, and lastly, the affirmation, and then take five minutes and think about it. Mm, Let it seep into your pores. And the exciting news is that I just got the first two months of the Audible and I listened to three days of it. It is so powerful, Liz. To hear the word spoken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had no idea. It's the first, I'm not a person who goes around with earbuds in my ears. That's not my thing. <laughs> um, but I will tell you, I may turn into one because it brought tears to my eyes to hear God's word read and then to hear the affirmation to start my day off today. I, I was just blown away. Well, you have such a wonderful voice. Did you voice your audiobook or did you have somebody else do it? Well, interesting fact, my editor is my daughter, Taylor, who's oh, yes. my youngest daughter, and she's an editor by trade. I mean, that's her career. How lucky to have an editor in the family. <laughs> yes. And they say the test of a good editor is that they bring you to tears. And yes, she was mean to me while we were writing the book. Wonderful. <laughs> but that's what they're supposed to do, right? Right. So did you voice it or did she voice it? Well, we were trying to get me to voice it, and it, it turned out you know, a family voice is actually very similar to your own. Yes. And she's got a studio set up in Spain where she lives because her husband teaches in the American school. She said, Mom, I think I better do this for you. We discovered that because it's a daily journal, 
it needs to be recorded one day at a time so that Correct. when people are listening to it, they don't need to go like through 30 days to get to the last day of the month. So you had 365 recordings if, at the very least. <laughs> and she said, let me do it, mom. And of course I pay her. She's, she's not doing it for free, but you know, I kind of get the family rate, I think. Oh, very good. Well, when you first began to think about writing a book, your original intent was to write about achieving financial success. So how did you go from that concept to one of a daily affirmation meditation book? What a great question. You know, I've been interviewed a few times now. Nobody asked me that question. Well, good. <laughs> Kudos. Do tell. Good. Yeah. Really, you have to kind of go back a few years to say the very first time I ever read Think and Grow Rich, what attracted me to the title and everybody that I knew in the banking industry at that time was Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. Money was what you were thinking about. I want lots of money so I can all the typical things, travel, have the house I want, live by the ocean, whatever the list is. When I got the opportunity to take a class through my financial advisor job at my company, it was Bob Proctor teaching the principles of Think and Grow Rich. So once again, I'm a financial advisor, right? What do I talk about all day? Money. Mm -hmm. I took the class. I was profoundly affected by it this time. You know, you watched the same webinar five times over. We learn so much better by repetition. Yes. Listening to them, he mentioned what Napoleon Hill mentions in his book a couple of times here and there, the universal laws. I stopped the tape one day and I said, do I even know what the universal laws are? Mm. I didn't. Ask yourself how many you know. Like, we don't know those laws. And they are the laws that God built the world with. And they work every day the same, perfectly. Do we know anything that works perfectly every day? Not much. <laughs> not much. Not much. I woke up one morning in January of 2021. I had gone through this whole class. I was in a master class with Bob Proctor. I was in my study group with, at my job. I was doing a lot of things to make Judy a better Judy. I woke up and I said, somebody should write a book that puts all these things together so you had something daily that could keep you on track. And of course, I heard a voice from the sky, so to speak. <laughs> How about you, Judy? <laughs> How about you? <laughs> I was in the master class. I asked Bob Proctor, I said, you know what I do, but I've got this inspiration for this book based on these very principles that you teach. And he said, oh, you should do that as a hobby. What? <laughs> and I said, when the Almighty whatever you consider God to be, when he touches your heart, you have to figure out a way to do it. Mm. And so I said, I'm not an early riser, but I will get up at 5.30 every day, write three days a day in the first two hours of the day, then do my New York Life job. And I'll get it done by August 31st because my daughter said we need to get it edited and released by Christmas. Wow. You really made a commitment then. I mean, you were very purposeful, intentional, and made that commitment. Yes. I'm more proud of that I got it done, except for now when I read the book every morning with my husband, we have our devotional time together in the morning. I think it's a great recommendation for your book when you love your own book enough to read it every day. <laughs> and you do have to read it many, many times. <laughs> and you do have to read it many, many times. Think of this. I researched probably 75 or 80 books. I read Emerson, C.S. Lewis, Emily Dickinson, Bob Proctor, and Napoleon Hill. Name somebody that's been in the science of being a better you, and I read them. Mm. 
And even when I read my own book now, it's like I never saw it before. That's so interesting. I'm curious, was becoming an author ever on your bucket list before it actually happened? Actually, two things were on my bucket list, to write a book and to be a public speaker. Ah, and you're getting to do both now. <laughs> and I'm going to get to do both. And what's interesting is every time I tried to go one direction or the other, took classes with heroic public speaking, which is, I think, the best in the business. They're very, very good. I found yesterday I had recorded a beginning of a speech I was going to give that was based on my open heart surgery because I kind of thought maybe that was the story I was supposed to tell. And I read it and I thought, gosh, no wonder I didn't keep going on that. It just it wasn't right. It wasn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. Now I know what I need to share with people. Mm. You have worn many hats. I mentioned a few of them earlier. You went into nursing. You worked in retail. You were doing a lot of searching at that time. And then you end up getting into the financial industry. And you just touched on something about your open heart surgery. So there was a period in your life where you went through a very difficult medical situation. You were a survivor, I might add, of five strokes. You had your open heart surgery and you thought you may never walk again. What happened, Judy? I actually was not sick at all. I um, had always had a heart murmur. The doctor said, well, I'm going to, you know, let's do an echocardiogram to just check that heart murmur. And she said, oh, I need to send you to a cardiologist. Long story short, the cardiologist said, you have a defective aortic valve. You were born with two flaps instead of three flaps. You're like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that mean? He said, well, it means that the blood going through your aortic valve over the years, the valve has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. Hmm. So it's stenosis, it's called. You felt fine, right? I felt fine. I had an aerobics business for 11 and a half years. I still work out two to three times a week. I was in great Great physical shape. (laughs) Yeah, great shape. But eventually defective valves don't work as well as perfect valves. So you have to have it replaced. We watched the videos. Family went to the hospital with my husband. I wake up. They discovered that during the surgery, some of the calcification from the valve had loosened and floated up to my cerebellum and caused five strokes. Five strokes? Five. During open heart surgery. Holy cow. So it's a side effect of open heart surgery. And when the cardiologist comes in and my husband's sitting in the windows sill of the hospital, so he's with me all the time, and he says, Dr. Goldman, this will get better, right? And the doctor just was totally silent and he said... We have no way of knowing. So then you walk into the twilight zone. Mm -hmm. You literally have neurologists, MRIs, physical therapists. I still remember the night I came home from the hospital. It was our wedding anniversary. My husband went down to a restaurant we like and brought dinner back for everybody, the family and everybody's here. I didn't eat anything. And I was sleeping on the couch that night because we had to buy a special chair. You couldn't sleep flat on a bed. Mm -hmm. You had to be elevated. It's in the dark and all the kids have gone to bed upstairs and David and I are sleeping downstairs. And David goes, Judy, are you awake? I said, I am. He goes, what are we going to do? And I only tell you that story so you know what it was like to be me that week, that 10 weeks, that 12 weeks, that 14 weeks. I didn't get back my ability to write for six months. Mm -hmm. And when I went back to work, the neurologist said, look, your complex thinking's not bad. I was a credit officer. I was like, I can't do my job. Mm -hmm. And when I got back to work, I made it work little by little by little. I got more and more back. And then the, the day I got my ability to write back, I was in a pottery barn buying Christmas decorations. So it's six months later, 
the lady thought I was crazy. I said, oh my gosh, I can write. (laughs) You were so excited. (laughs) I was so excited. I was, I couldn't believe it. If she only knew what you'd been through, my goodness. Oh, Yeah, she didn't know. She just said, okay, we get some weird people here at Pottery Barn. <laughs> <laughs> so the end of that story is that bank where I had a very high level position and they let go of me. That's what I find so unbelievable is you finally get back to a place where you're healthy, you can write, your thinking is clear. You get to this point where they basically terminate you and fire you. Did they give you a reason? For, I don't want to be unkind to any company. They, they all have their good parts and bad parts, but they find ways to let people go. We're cutting by 10% mm. and mm-hmm. they just made you so miserable. They made me move out of my office. They took away my territory. They gave me a territory I'd never been in before. And then mm. finally, my husband said, don't make them fire you, Jude. Just just, just get out of there, right? They're, oh my gosh. They're going to let you go, but you, the handwriting's on the wall. So I did. And actually the story of the book. It's the story of using those universal laws. Use the universal law of relativity and never, never, never look at anything as a catastrophe or an ending or negative. Always say maybe. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. I don't know because I don't know the future. But there is a little (laughs) asterisk to the story, which is that you go ahead, you leave, you get home, you've got all your boxes there, your husband walks in the door, and he tells you he's been let go on the very same day. It's unbelievable. How did you guys get through that dark period? Well, first of all, we sat there in shock. Yes. We look at each other and we go, okay, this is for a reason. It has to be for a reason. I've never heard of anybody where both have very big, good jobs, lose them both on the same day. Yeah, that probably doesn't happen very often. (laughs) It's not a frequent occurrence. And when I went through the bad part of my job where my, you know, they were taking things and cutting things and I was so upset, my mom, who's at the time was 84, and she's a very strong spiritual woman. And she said, Judy, you should read this book, Two Chairs. So I got the book and I read it and a man writes it and it says, I'm writing this because everybody should know what my mom did to get through life. So he had something bad happen in his life and he calls his mom up and he says, mom, what do you do that keeps you so stable and happy and generous and kind, you know, when our house burned down, when dad lost his job, whatever, everything happens in everybody's life, right? There's mm-hmm. whatever the story was. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, Douglas, do you know those two chairs up in my sewing room? Yeah. Well, every morning I go up there and I have the chairs face each other and I sit for five minutes and I ask God what he wants to tell me. Mm. The next day after we both lost our jobs, David walked into the living room where I had the two Windsor chairs, I love Windsors, (laughs) facing each other. And he said, can I do chairs with you? Wow. We expanded our chairs. So now we read a devotional. We read the Bible verses that go with it. We read one of Judy's posts for that day. Then we set the timer for five minutes and listen to God. And then we hold hands and say the Lord's Prayer together. And we've done that every day since that day we lost our jobs. What a beautiful ritual. That's lovely. Here's another piece. I have a Jewish husband. And my Jewish husband is every day closer to God with me. And he's the one that says, we got to do chairs before you do anything else, Jude. (laughs) That's very special. I'm curious, do you think there's one lesson in particular 
You said that, you know, this was all happening for a reason. Is there one lesson that you think you guys were supposed to learn during that time, during that incident of when you guys were both without jobs that same day? Yes, absolutely. I think the biggest lesson was that I didn't realize that I was even living partially by the universal laws. And if you read any writing about the universal laws, they will tell you whether or not you realize they're there, you live by them. Mm-hmm. And we were living by them. And the, the one right thing we did was we said, there must be a reason why God would let this come into our life. And secondly, we immediately started that ritual where we kept asking, where we kept searching. And I know it was of infinite intelligence sending me a phone call from, I know what it was. I said, I better beef up my LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Through LinkedIn, somebody from the company I work for now called me and said, you have a great profile page. We'd really like to talk to you at New York Life. And it gave me back my self-confidence, the managing partner there. And he said, you have such an impressive resume Mm. and the people you know and the places you've been, he said, we would like to put you on the fast track to be a partner in the firm. Wow. Congratulations on that. That's amazing. But it was amazing in, in the way that I feel like God knew my heart needed to be encouraged. It needed to be pushed along a little bit for somebody to say, you're still Judy. Yes. You still can do great things. Your life's not over because of the strokes or because of a company that didn't love you. None of those things matter. And I have been, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad that they didn't do this. In 2019, the second year I was an agent, I won every award the company had to win. Agent of the year, triple crown winner, which is the top six agents in the company of 12,000 agents. I had the year of a lifetime, which was such a thrill for a 60. I think it was 66 or 67 then. (laughs) I don't say that to say, oh, aren't I good? I'm saying that to say, I never even noticed I was winning anything that year. I was just working hard being an agent. I had found a career where I was of service. Mm -hmm. And happy. I was happy. David and I were doing chairs. David got another job. We were just having a really great life. Mm -hmm. But it got even better this last year. In the middle of COVID, isn't that something? It is something. And clearly, I think both you and your husband right now, I would say, are living your best life. So how has writing this book changed your life? What one thing has it really changed your life in? It's made me realize that I am moving to my passion and dream career. And isn't that wonderful? (laughs) I was looking at your website last night, and you did the same thing. Thank you for saying that. Living your dream. I really prayed about our podcast, Liz. I want it to be beneficial to somebody. I want it to help somebody. I meet so many people in my job because I sell a lot of long-term care, people who are living lives of lack. Mm -hmm. It's not that they need a lot more money. We have programs that can help people that haven't been really blessed financially in their life in our country. It's that their mental state is so negative and so sad. Mm. And so without joy, I am just about finished with my certification to be a Napoleon Hill instructor, which means I can write my own course or do FaceTime Live or whatever I want to do to get the concepts across. There's lots of people that have lots of courses, and I understand that. But my goal is to put it at a price point where it's so accessible for so many people. Mm. 
that never hear these principles because they see the price tag on something on Facebook and they go, I can't pay that. Mm. Well, it's wonderful that you have created these wonderful new next chapters for yourself. And if you'd like to learn more about Judy and her book, 365 Days of Abundance, How to Create a Life of Wealth, Happiness, Wisdom, and Inspiration Through the 12 Universal Laws, the Principles of Success, and His Divine Word. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Just go to judybayloff.com. That's J-U-D-Y-B-A-L-L-O-F-F dot com. Judy, thank you so much for being here today and showing us that we can all live an abundant, best life. My privilege. Thank you, Liz. And thanks to all of you for listening. I invite you to subscribe, share my podcast with your friends and family, and yes, write a review too. I love hearing from all of you. And may each of you know that the life you've always dreamed of is possible and is already within you. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.